my name is Sean Ryan. I am the CEO and founder at Predicting Alpha. Um, it's funny, actually, we went to the same school. I'm a Laurier grad, did the BBA program there. And I think I have a pretty interesting sort of leap into entrepreneurship. Um, when I was in university, I was lucky enough that the friends I was surrounded by were all interested in entrepreneurship. Like this was back when like Ty Lopez was coming out and all this stuff. And we're like social media marketing agency, we're going to do it. And for all of university, it was like every time we'd hang out, all we talked about was startups, entrepreneurship, business ideas. And, you know, we finished, I, I actually didn't take any action yet though. Didn't really start anything. Um, graduated the program and I was like, you know, I always knew I wanted to do entrepreneurship, but I need to get more skills first. So I went and I joined, I did sales actually as well. I started at Xerox. So I was uh, selling copiers and a little bit of a like document management software. Worked there for two years, but the whole time I worked there, all I'm talking about is entrepreneurship. And I was like trying to think of ideas and all this stuff. And then I realized something, I, I saw some video or like a, like a reel or something. And it basically said, it talked about identity and how, you know, let's say you're studying to become a doctor. And then when people ask you what you do, you're studying to become a doctor. Well, what happens if you take the, uh, you know, the, the MCAT and you fail? Well, your identity changes and you're no longer studying to become a doctor, but you're also not a doctor. What are you now? Mm -hmm. And I realized I was actually that person. I was a entrepreneur. I wasn't even getting close to my goal because mm -hmm. I was stuck in this talking about the future stage. People would be like, good job. And I wasn't taking that like failure risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, literally the day I realized this, the next morning, I actually handed in my two weeks. And I, I, you know, I, I obviously thought about it. It wasn't like a crazy move. Mm -hmm. I was like, I have some runway. I've got mm -hmm. like, I have 12 months to figure this out. But if I never do it, if I don't do it now, I'm probably never going to do it. So I took the leap. And four weeks later, myself and my co-founder at the time, Jordan, mm -hmm. we started Predicting Alpha. And Predicting Alpha started off as just an idea to bring some software to the trading space. Uh, retail traders, meaning, you know, just you and I trading on our own, not working at a firm, have been uh, kind of left in the dust when it comes to the technological advancements, the changes in the way people think about markets and trading. And it kind of makes sense because when you find an edge, you don't really tell people about it, right? It's, it's yours to protect. It's the way you're generating money. And, you know, you look at a Bloomberg terminal, most people who trade retail don't even know what it does yet. Every single professional has one. I thought it just made so much sense. It's like, there's a huge gap here, but it wasn't just a data gap. It was actually a three, three pieces. There was the, data and technology around it. There was the education and there was the community. So for example, on a Bloomberg terminal, you can literally send a message to Warren Buffett. They have their own internal emailing system <laughs> where everyone who has one can message each other and all this stuff. So we decided uh, to create something similar for the retail space where we said, if we provided a all-in-one solution where we provide the data, education and community needed to understand a product thoroughly, find an edge, build your own strategies and run your portfolio as if you were actually your own portfolio manager. We, our, our bet was that there were enough passionate traders out there to build a sustainable business model around it. And this was back in January of 2020. We're still running strong to this day. Um, at this point, I uh, just uh, for clarification about the structure of the company, I bought out my business partner back in April of this year. And since then, we've now grown to about 
200, 250 traders actively subscribed to the platform. So we offer this an, as an all-in-one solution uh, for a monthly subscription of 79 US a month. Mm-hmm. And um, our platform, right now we have about 150 hours of education. We're specialized in the options space, by the way, because uh, that's where mm-hmm. our own interests and expertise lie. Um, we have about 150 hours of education. We have thousands of data points that are code free to use. That was a big thing, right? Coding is, uh, if you work at a firm, you would know that coding is pretty much like knowing how to type. You need to have some background in it. And uh, so we created the code free solution to analyze the data. And then our community, which is really the backbone. I got to sh- give a shout out to uh, everyone who's in that community. I've learned, so- I've learned so much from them. Um, and uh, it's, it's just been uh, honestly a, a phenomenal journey so far. Uh, building this out. That, that's a wild story. I mean, taking the leap from, you know, the job, uh, obviously you said you thought about it a bit to, you know, giving yourself, you know, a year to figure it out and develop a business is quite a jump, but it looked like it, it, you know, it's worked out pretty well. But what's interesting is that like trading, as you said, like typically, if you look at the like, knowledge curve of trading, it's like you start off, you're like, I'm going to be a day trader. I'm going to make millions. Nobody knows this. And then you learn a bit about it and you're like, the system is rigged. Institutions have, they say a fair advantage is not fair advantage. They're getting data fractions of a second quicker, which is trillions of dollars. How will I ever win? This is impossible. So how did you go from, I'm like, I'm assuming you were trading a bit before, but like what made you go to the idea of doing options trading? Was it initially when you were in a business initially, was it more focused on just like general knowledge or how'd you go from, being a sales professional to developing a finance-based business that obviously Mm -hmm. is a challenge, but obviously is also like very, it seems at least like not out of scope, but like a very technical and like daunting thing. A hundred percent. So I I guess I'll give you my like sort of like trading story because it builds into that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I started not really trading, but investing. I was like, okay, I understand compound interest. Averaging in the ETFs, that's the game. Let's start now. If I start now, looking good at retirement or even hopefully a little bit earlier. Yeah. Then I'm sure, you know, you, you remember when this happened too. Then the whole, uh, when Justin Trudeau got elected for the first time and he said he's going to legalize cannabis, that industry just exploded. Right? All these companies, ACB, Canopy Growth, all these companies just started popping off. And I decided to take a bit of a gamble on it, right? I, I believed in that, you know, this is going to be a big industry. It's going to be like alcohol and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I bought some stocks in Aurora Cannabis and I made probably 200, 300% in one month period. And I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, I just made more in one month mm-hmm. than I would have made in seven years doing my original idea. Mm-hmm. Let's put more money in. And then I started to notice, well, ACB seems to trend in this range. Okay, let's try trading it. And then I started learning about technical analysis and all these things. And you know, I found some communities where I was like, man, I want to be like these people. And then you fast forward a year and I'm down 50%. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the way it went. And at that point, I actually uh, pretty much put the brakes on things. I was like, this is, uh, this is too much. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> My co-founder, Jordan, didn't stop. He took things so seriously. He's like, I need this. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, he actually exited to continue trading full-time. He wanted to focus mm-hmm. more on the actual just trading himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave me a call one day and 
he said, hey, I'm sitting at this cafe downtown and there's a, there's someone there who we knew in common. And we knew that this person ran like a, a huge hedge fund. And he asked me like, hey, like, is this the right person? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going to go talk to him about trading. He went up to him and talked to him and he gave me a call after and he's like, he was angry. Like what happened in that call, in that conversation? He said, I told him what I was doing. I had just done uh, what's called the CMT. It's like a certified market technician. It's basically a designation for technical analysis. And the person looked at him and went, I don't even know what that is. And Jordan was like, what do you mean? And the story is Jordan told him about it. And he went, nobody's doing this in the professional space. You, if you actually want to be a trader, you need to go learn about quantitative trading. At this time, we're like, what? What do you mean? We see where you enter the market, man. Like, <laughs> what do you mean I need this? But that sort of led to like a down a rabbit hole. That little, that first conversation led down a rabbit hole where you just start seeing other people mention the word quantitative in some way, shape or form. And you start to see like, oh, here's this person. Let's say, you know, like Ewan Sinclair was one that we, we took heavy influence from. Okay, Ewan Sinclair ran a firm called Talton Capital for 20 years, trading volatility in the option space. Undisputable that this guy knows what he's doing. And all he's talking about is these, these quantitative approaches to, to pricing assets. Mm-hmm. And that just led down a path of realizing, wow, the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing right now is because I read it in a book. I see other people doing it and I've made money doing it before. There's really no other evidence. It's very subjective what I'm doing right now. And I'm, I'm hoping that it continues to work. But the reality is an idea on its own isn't worth a ton. You need to be able to, you know, almost like uh, disprove your own idea before you, you know, you gotta, you gotta take almost scientific approach to understanding what you're seeing. And that is how we got into like the whole quantitative side of trading options as a product. I actually do not care about options versus stocks versus Forex versus futures. It's simply because it's the area where we thought we had the best chance of finding an edge. If I found an edge in futures, I'd be over there right now. Does not matter to me. The cool thing about options is there's a lot of dynamics to them. They're a bit of a complex product and they're less liquid than the stock market. Meaning there's less sophisticated players in general. Um, And that means opportunity. I don't want to consistently compete against Citadel. Mm-hmm. I want an opportunity to compete against some other players who maybe I have a better yeah. shot at being uh, right against. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why that's how it got to options. That's how it got to this like sort of quantitative approach mm-hmm. to things. It's so interesting because you talk to anyone who's like learning about finance early on, and a, being a quant is like a hidden superpower, like a hidden job that nobody knows about. So you realize how much money they're making and you're like, you're making seven figures at like 27 or 20. Like, <laughs> what, what, what do you do? And then, and you're talking they're like, Oh, I manage about a trillion dollars like a week. Um, or like, you know, Oh my, I'm doing billions of dollars. They based on the algo I made. And you're like, and then you go down the rabbit hole, like these, these systems, these robots are beating right? us. How are we ever going to win? So it's, that's it's, when you get like to that second it. stage where you're like, it's yeah. right. <laughs> It's such an interesting thing. Like, I think I had the very similar thing with finance where I'm like, what do you mean there's a whole, like I thought it was just a guy you see on TV like, or on, in the movies, like on the stock floor, just making guesses. And some guys are good at guessing and some guys yeah. aren't. But it's, there's so much, you said, so much more sophistication yeah. behind the scenes than there actually is. Yeah. I guess I like I how you say two mm-hmm. quick things about it quickly before we, we jump to the next thing here. Because mm-hmm. 
I want to clarify what I mean by quant. So obviously mm-hmm. there's a side of it, which is the algorithmic side. Mm-hmm. But if you think about what these algos are doing for the most part, it's actually the execution. It's the speed yeah. to market. And that's a very particular game, right? As a retail trader, we probably shouldn't be like trading the one minute chart, trying to get in and out quick because we're not an algo. Like they will beat us to that fill every time. But there's a whole other side to it, which is really no more than simple statistics. The idea of quantitative analysis is simply putting data to ideas to see if they mean anything. It's like, it doesn't need to even be more complicated than that to uh, find something worth trading. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's the case is because one of the biggest things that I had to sort of understand as a trader was I need to stop playing the game of I'm smarter than everyone else and start playing the game of how can I treat my trading like a business? The market, the way you can make money in a market is by, there's reasons people take actions in markets. And for example, an earnings event is coming up, all right? Pension funds hold, let's say Apple's coming up and a pension fund holds a billion dollars of Apple. Well, if Apple goes down 10% on earnings, that's going to be really bad for their investors, right? And there's a lot of like money and and lives almost on the line with this mm-hmm. type of stuff. So what they're going to do is they're going to go out and buy a put, right? They're going to mm-hmm. go buy a hedge. Do they care if that put is $4 or $5? Probably not because what they care about is the downside protection, the worst case scenario. Now what that does is it creates opportunity for someone like me to come in and say, well, what is this put really worth? Should like it, almost in like pricing insurance, how much should this insurance cost? If I think the fair value is $4, but it's trading for $6, well, I can come in and provide that liquidity. And that's how you start to think, okay, wow, I'm actually in the business of providing liquidity here. And my job is to find out where someone's willing to give up some money. Not that they're like losing per se, because they're getting their hedge. They get what they want, but I'm now in the business of providing a service to the market. And it's resolving these pricing inefficiencies and providing value in certain ways that that mind shift totally changed the way I thought about trading in general and, and put me on a, uh, a pretty awesome trajectory. Mm-hmm. How do you fig- how do you think of generating revenue? Was it always going to be a B2C play? Were you looking at trying to work with smaller institutions? Were you looking at being content creator? Like how did you realize, okay, this, we're going to, we're going to develop a platform, which also seems very technical. Like, Mm-hmm. How'd you get into that space? Because it doesn't seem like, it, you know, you're, from my understanding, you're not like a programmer by chance. It's not like you're making platforms in your day job and you're just transitioning over. How'd you get to that idea of really trying to get the average trader and building this platform out and get to revenue? Yeah, for sure. So the way that it happened was uh, after I left Xerox, Jordan had approached me. He had built a platform for earnings trading that he was using for himself. And a few friends were using it too. And he said, you know, do you think people would pay for this software? And he sort of explained to me like what it was used for and all this stuff. And I, uh, I thought, yeah, I thought they would. The reason that we targeted, we, we, we both were on the same page about targeting uh, retail traders mm-hmm. is because there was, there's already so many solutions in the professional space. Like, you have Bloomberg, you have LiveVol, you have these things that cost something that a firm can afford 
Even a family office has solutions that they can afford less than Bloomberg. But there was nothing for the retail trader. Mm -hmm. The retail trader is still stuck with nothing but the charts and some books. Mm -hmm. And so our bet was like, uh, you know, we thought about it like a trade. We were like, there's an inefficiency here. Uh, if we can resolve this inefficiency, you know, there's a little bit of a philanthropic, philanthropic side of we'll feel good about it, right? But then also we expect to get paid for resolving this inefficiency, right? Bringing something to market that bridges this gap between retail and Wall Street. Um, so that, that's how we sort of picked our target audience. It was where the need was. Really, that's what it was. And we felt like we could identify with that need quite well because we knew we were, we are them, mm -hmm. right? We, we are our own first customers in a sense. And uh, we felt that we had the expertise to bring something to market. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a programmer uh, by background. So, um, you know, Jordan built the initial prototypes and eventually we brought on a developer. Um, but uh, I felt like I could bring to the table the, the business development side of things primarily. Yeah. And then together we were able to develop the education and, uh, you know, foster the community. Um, and so, I mean, you really touched on that. community, such a big part of it. Did you find, I mean, cause it's been around for a few years now, did COVID and like the extreme focus on like crypto DeFi people making, you thought 200% in the week was good, you know, like 200% in an hour. Did you find yeah. that that helped or hindered the, in the business in the sense that people were now expecting Hey, if I'm options trading, my buddy here in crypto is making $2 million an hour, it seems. Mm -hmm. these This is too small of a return. Or were people now open their eyes if there's other ways of trading? How did that affect the community or even finance mm -hmm. or how it affected your world in general during those very hectic market times? Yeah, yeah. So I can say two things about that. Even though there was such an insane bull market, <laughs> a lot of people were still losing money. A lot of people were still losing money. And I'm not saying that to say that I prey on people who've lost money. Mm -hmm. It's really just that if you're, if you're playing a game that you're supposed to lose in the long run, eventually it happens, mm -hmm. right? And, and unsustainable things are unsustainable for a reason, right? And what, so, so number one was actually, we kind of missed the boat. It would have been a great time for us to get in because... It, not so much because of just what was happening in the market, but just the attention. Mm -hmm. So many people got into the trading space, but we were a team of two. We were really just trying to figure it out. We had nothing built yet when that really kicked off. And we were a little late to the party on it, which still kicking myself about it today. But in the end of the day, it, it still is working out fine. Um, yeah. The second thing I would say about it is that's not really our target audience. The target that that is who our target audience was two years ago, mm -hmm. in the sense of like as a as an individual as a customer persona, they usually have a couple years experience. Um, they've they've already got their wounds, they've licked their scratches, they're they're they're, mm -hmm. they're back in the game, and and they've the the level of uh, experience and and uh, product knowledge is higher than someone who's new to the game, typically. We did yeah. create something for the the fresh trader, and sometimes that's great because I'm like, hey, less to unlearn. Good for <laughs> you. You know, it's gonna be great. Yeah. But typically, it's it's someone more sophisticated, someone a lot more serious who's already made the commitment that this is like something they're going to be uh, taking very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. Yeah. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's one of the challenging things is not only like focusing on a B2C customer segment, but figuring out like which persona do you want? Like, is it mm-hmm. the brand new traders who, I mean, similar to like Formula One during COVID and all these other sports or things like you got massive interest from like brand new newbies into it mm-hmm. versus someone who's a little bit more experienced. And it's interesting to see like that you're finding more success with people. Obviously you have some understanding of like what trading is, have probably traded in the past and now are looking at a, I guess you could say like another level of like moving away from like the ETFs mm-hmm. and just purely investing, like you said from before yeah. to a little bit more of now trading, looking to mm-hmm. options, looking for other ways to generate um, some earnings. But it's that is it is interesting because I have many friends who became diehard crypto fiends during this time, yeah. um, but couldn't tell me like what they were trading or what they were investing in. Um, yeah, and that's why they're making money. Why they're making money, and they're like, "No, don't worry, it can double forever." I'm like, "I don't think you know how the economy works." But that's <laughs> a topic for you. Right? It's only going to go up. It's only to the moon. Yeah, but I think <laughs> it's it's interesting because I think even that is my analysis. My, <laughs> exactly no analysis no knowledge but i think like you said like people who've lost a little bit are like the round two are like okay i need to learn this those are yeah. i think growing more and more and obviously those are also the people who can understand the value in a product that mm-hmm. can really help them and educate it and you know interesting i actually i think that we as a company are going to enter into a phase over the next year where we'll see a tremendous growth because mm-hmm. of this one principle in markets Money transfers from the, 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 the bad to the good in the sense of uh, trading decision-making, right? Those who make better decisions make more money. Nobody shares the pie. Nobody shares the cake. It all goes to the yeah. people who earn it. Meaning if 30 million people joined the market in 2020, there's not 30 million right now. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are left, if they've survived this long, have learned something and are and they, they, they are still here for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And you can see this actually, if you just look at like uh, Reddit, for example, and the activity on trading forums on Reddit, um, it's dropped significantly over the last year, right? We've, we've entered into a, you know, a bearish market, mm-hmm. right? We're spies down 24% this year or whatever. Tech got smoked at one point there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, crypto, right? So you're seeing these things where, the, the, the money is, the, the money's moving, the money's moving. And that means the people left are probably actually a better fit for the product we offer. That, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, I mean, a, almost a great time, like you said, for a lot of people now who have, I think probably never before, except for the early 2000s, maybe when like online training became a thing, how we had such a mass interest in finance in investing in trading in general um due to covid so i think it's almost like a unprecedented time for a product like this to really make its strides because so many more people are looking into where 10 years ago no like you might know one person who's trading and then the rest is like no my bank does it for me my bank has my best interests for me (laughs) it's trusted to the bank so it's uh for sure different times now obviously now we're a little bit in the depending on who you listen to, obviously we're in a little bit of a downturn in the market. Do you mm-hmm. find that kind of working with people, working with your, your customers or growing the business, is it tied to how the market is doing in the sense of when the market's going up, more people are clicking on the website or because you're now looking for more experienced traders or that's where your main market is, does the 
market volatility not affect the business as much day to day because the people who are clicking and signing up are more interested more in the long term and a more knowledgeable about the ups and downs of the market? Um, it's a good question. I it's tough for me to say because as a business, so w- we spent a lot of time focusing on product development. Mm-hmm. Uh, I- I'll preface this by saying like, this is my first venture mm-hmm. and I am not claiming to have any answers really. <laughs> like I'm learning as I go. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I have a few people who are mentoring me that I'm very, very mm-hmm. grateful for and uh, have definitely uh, saved me from a few uh, pitfalls <laughs> that would have been bad, but I'm still falling into lots of them. And mm-hmm. one of those is, you know, it's tough for me to measure that right now because we only really kicked off heavier marketing this year. So I don't have the data to actually mm-hmm. look at what was happening in 2020. Like people were joining mm-hmm. then and stuff, but we weren't tracking it. We weren't able to mm-hmm. really measure anything. We weren't asking people joining questions like, why are you joining? Or mm-hmm. what are you most interested in? Uh, now we're doing more of that so we can actually build out these uh, better personas over mm-hmm. time and uh, understand the, uh, the needs of our customer better. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of treating your trading like a business and, and whether it's correlated with the market or mm-hmm. not, uh, it is to a degree. Right. Because imagine you sold, imagine there was never car crashes mm-hmm. besides the gut, besides the fact the government mandates it, nobody would buy insurance. If there weren't accidents, nobody needs protection. Mm-hmm. So when you're, let's say providing that hedge fund, that put, you will get burned sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in downturns, the temperature goes up, burns get a little bit worse, but it's for those reasons that this risk premium that you're able to sort of harvest over time exists. Mm-hmm. If those, if the, if situations like what we're seeing right now never happened, then there would be no money to be made or it'd be in a different place. It'd be, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in this particular example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is some correlation options tend to have a correlation with the market as well. It's a mm-hmm. derivative of it. So, um, you know, you sell an option or, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. like a, yeah, it, it's correlated with the market basically mm-hmm. to a degree. No, it makes a lot of sense. I think, and also because you're pretty early stage, it means oh, it's all up. So I think it'll be interesting once you grow. It'll be interesting to see if it's like, if there are mirrors, or it could also be inversely because you said like when mm-hmm. things are going down, people are like realizing, hey, I just got lucky before I need to learn. So let me look for other mm-hmm. platforms. Or it could be the other way where things are going up. People are like, how else can I make earnings? So it'll be interesting to see over the years as this business grows, kind of how that correlates. Or also, there could be no correlation. It could just be like, hey, people are here for the long run. Ups and downs are okay. only transitory. Um, 100%. Like, uh, you know, it's funny. I, it's almost like you could just change the marketing because we have mm-hmm. like so much education, so much data. Mm-hmm. In the great times, push the data. In the bad mm-hmm. times, push the education. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's, it's, and it's so, I, it's so interesting how you're, you're saying that. Like, it'd be interesting to see it. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what clicks better during the good times? Do certain parts of the product resonate more and i think that's one of the things as as any mm-hmm. startup or business grows it's really figuring out like who those customer personas are and there may be multiple there may be the you know people in the bear markets who are more interested in a product like this versus the inverse so it's for sure mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see as as the economy shifts and everything shifts how people your customers interact and really get yeah. more and more signups yeah now it's uh, it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting for sure i'm uh, i can't i'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out one thing with marketing, though, and speaking of Ty Lopez as well, is that a lot of times with these financial courses, tools, a lot of the big ones, I mean, 
to some extent is like heavily on like Andrew Tate uh, and all these other ones who are trying to make money quickly. Yeah. It's pretty scammy marketing. Yeah. Do you find that now because you're obviously having pre-realistic returns, like realistic marketing education that, and if you talk for your customers, do you find that people are expecting crazy returns and are saying, hey, how can I double, triple my money because guy over here saying they could could or because your market is primarily you said on the ones who are a little more experienced that these people are almost the people who got kicked out of the scams who realized that there was a pyramid scheme over here now i'm looking to educate yourself more or how have you seen that shift because i feel now more than ever there's a lot of interest in unrealistic returns or has that not only been as big of an impact in your customers minds it's probably the toughest part when it comes to our marketing is just we are in such a noisy marketplace Mm -hmm. right like I am surrounded by people posting pictures with Lamborghinis and uh, just a, a number that says 1 million it, yeah. without any context. It's just like, buy it, buy my stuff, you yeah. know? And that is the unfortunate reality of our marketplace. Um, you know, it's uh, with the rise of the whole laptop lifestyle, entrepreneurial grind set mindset type stuff. It's uh, you know, the, the allure of this quick money ideal is uh, is huge. And it's especially prevalent in the finance space because you know, make my money work for me. <laughs> like, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty clear how it can happen. I would say for our, our target audience, most of them have gone through something of that nature, or maybe they haven't necessarily bought into something like that, but they're, they are not falling for it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what they actually, so the way that we market right now is through providing the highest quality content available mm-hmm. in terms of the, uh, the actual, uh, the, the actual thing you learn. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times with these like signal services and stuff like that, uh, the term for it is like a, a black box. It's like, um, something happens behind this curtain. Here's the answer for you. Mm-hmm. Our thing is the complete opposite of that. It's, it, it's full transparency. You ask me how something's calculated in the terminal. Here's the formula. Mm-hmm. It's actually available just in the tool tips. You, uh, you have a issue with an idea we're cheat, we're, 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 we're talking about, we will chat about it in public and I will share with you this and we can answer your questions and go back and forth. Mm-hmm. There is no smoke and mirrors at all. And, and the mm-hmm. purpose is to actually directly position ourselves opposite of the guru space because we cannot come into this space without addressing it. Mm-hmm. I tried the more aggressive approach of like yeah. taking them on. I think there's merit to it. It was tough. It's a tough mm-hmm. space to be because he's just showing a screenshot of a yeah. huge return or she's showing a big screenshot. Can't really argue it. And the people who would be watching aren't even our audience. Mm-hmm. So it just had to be people who've gone through it. Their BS detectors are very sharp now. Yeah. So you just got to be very authentic, um, relatable and, and give value. And then the ones who are actually our target audience will resonate with it. I think that's one huge takeaway from many founders, and especially what you were just saying is the fact that you have to be genuine to yourself to grow a business because it takes so much time. It's very hard to fake it for years. Like, yeah. And a lot of times, even with these more scammy things, it's like not to say those people are scammed, but it's like consistency with their personality. If you're flashy, then you can do flashy things. But at the same time, you have to, be geared towards your audience and it's uh, i yeah. mean as you said it's so hard to make fake content content that you don't believe in 
it sounds simple. You're like, oh, I'll just shoot a video or I'll just make this post. It is draining. Um, like you wouldn't believe because you don't believe it. People can kind of sniff out the bullshit as well. They're like, mm. something seems off. It's almost like the uncanny valley kind of with AI now where you're like, this, this, something's off with this. I don't know what yeah. my thing, I can't my finger on it. And financial advice is almost the same thing or financial services where it's the same thing. You're like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand know what it is, how but... everyone's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously yeah. one, one thing as well, like, with creating a business is this like whole idea of like work-life balance and working crazy hours. How, what do you find, what do you define as work-life balance and how do you find some balance in your life? Just go to the gym, (laughs) get out of my house for once, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. go for a walk. You got to build it in. Like I, so I'm in year three of doing this Mm -hmm. and what I actually found happened when, so work-life balance, I would almost call it a work-life separation. So I used to think the idea of like work from home, like this is like pre-COVID. It's like work from mm-hmm. home is like the reason I'm doing this. And I was like, oh man, everyone's doing it now. This, this is lame. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I used to wake up. I, I would basically be like sleeping where I work, eating mm-hmm. where I work. And it was okay for a bit, but then you realize that you're net, for me at least, I realized I was never fully working and I was never fully relaxing. I was always in this like limbo and what it did was two things. One, it made me unhappy mm-hmm. and two, my business suffered mm-hmm. because if you're not fully engaged, you're not giving your best and the quality itself is just going to be so much lower. So what I did was a couple things. I actually set up a proper workstation for myself. I invested in it. I made it something that I'm, uh, I thoroughly enjoy working at. I feel productive when I sit there. And then when I'm not working, I do not sit there. I started signing up for things that get me out of my uh, environment. So I have more changes of environment. I signed up to a gym. I did like dance lessons, right? Like I would go to a pool hall and shoot pool with my buddies a little bit more frequently. Because as much as it sounds great to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, and build the fastest, biggest business you possibly can, you know, I'm not Elon Musk. I can't do it. That's not going to, I can do it for a month and then I'm going to be burnt out mm-hmm. a marathon. And, uh, I had a lull of maybe six months where I didn't realize the symptoms were hitting me. And then when I did, I made a, a, a really big shift in the way I, uh, I, I run my life, I guess. I th- that is such a great takeaway that you found, I'd say pretty r- early on within your life and career. Cause a lot of funny enough, like super successful founders I've spoken to, that's one thing they say. They're like, early on, you think, hey, you know, this guy's working 125 hours. I need to be working 125 hours a week. Most people also lie about how much they work, truthfully. They're like, yeah, I worked 125 hours. Oh, mm, but I forgot about this, the, that, and the other thing. But when oh, you're, you're talking telling me about a Netflix show you just watched three yeah. seasons of this week? What? So it's, it's <laughs> so, I think it's one of those things people like to brag about it. But I mean, if you look at your life, it's almost like a calculation. It's all about the output. If I can do what you can yeah. do in, 40 hours why would i work like why does 80 make me better mm-hmm. or worse and i think one thing i found when i was talking like like i said like very very successful people they all talk about like the power of sleep like you need your sleep i can't be effective and then activity going for walks and working out and it was the mm-hmm. idea that like i always say that it's like learn to rest as aggressive as aggressively as possible like learn how you can switch it off and even in university, and we both went to Laurier, was the fact that I met, had some people who had crazy grades but partied so hard. Yeah. But what I saw was 
they would have a switch. Like I'm in party mode now. I'm going crazy. Wake up at 6am. I am studying for five hours, but it was, there was, and I was notoriously bad or big. I'm studying, but watching Netflix. So I'm not fully relaxed. I'm also not fully learning. And you waste so much time being like, I studied for 24 hours. 20 of them were kind of on the TV or on the phone. So it's like you said, learning how to like it better. Not work-life balance, but like separate those two lives so you can really focus on each is Mm. so important, especially for, I think, like you said, the long term. Some weeks are crazy, but you can't be burnt out for years to get the results. You're just miserable. And what's the point of this if you're not happy at least some points of the Uh, day? Yeah, at least at some points, right? Like uh, Mm -hmm. if you're not like stressing about the existence of your company in five years, you should be happy. You know, like uh, any of those are the only two states that I'm in. But Mm -hmm. uh, um. I would add one thing to it though, which is that I'm, I'm not, uh, I actually, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say like designate 40 hours for working on your business and then chill. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it, it'll be different for everyone, but the way that I sort of approach it is live well enough that I'm excited to work on my business. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever that means for you is what it'll mean for you. For me, it means first thing I do every morning is gym. I have this like, mm-hmm habit stack that I follow in the morning that I love. Mm-hmm. I designed it specifically to be something I enjoy work out every day, you know, everything that, I, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the first two hours I'm not working, but then I sit down at my desk, I'm feeling good, mm-hmm. grind out some work. I take a break. I chat with, uh, you know, some of my friends, my mm-hmm. team, whatever. And then, you know, I have a thing like, uh, you know, I'll watch jeopardy at night. You know, mm-hmm. it's like my thing. I love watching jeopardy. So, you know, and, and outside of those hours, I am either working directly on the business or thinking, you know, putting in implicit hours, Mm -hmm. thinking about the business, thinking about what to do. So it's definitely more than 40 hours. Yeah. But I'm not suffering from it. I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, it's probably been similar for about six months now Mm -hmm. uh, of this like steady amount. Mm -hmm. And I'm just finding that it's uh, enjoyable, sustainable, and I do push myself sometimes to do a bit more, but you got to find that balance, right? That, that like, it'll be different for everyone. I think one thing you touched on that's important is the fact that like when you're relaxing and resting, you shouldn't be worrying. I think what happens to a lot of people is that when they're trying to relax, there's worry Like you can work crazy hours, but you should figure a way of like to disconnect. I, I was talking to one um, executive at EA games and at the time they were a former employee. They said, how they calculated work-life balance was how energetic they woke up in the morning to get to work. Mm-hmm. And they said, when I lost the excitement or hope, that's when I knew something was off. Um, and then there was also studies of like, they were a parent. So they were fearing was like, how many hours are my home versus that? And they said, one thing kids remember is not if you were home a lot, but it's like how much energy you have when you went to play with your kids or interact with oh. your kids. It's the like, um, they found kids who, had a parent that was engaged when they're with their children had better results versus parents who may be home for like, you know, they worked like 30 hours a week in their home all the time, but if they're not mentally happy, it made a much more uh, negative impact versus shorter hours, happier time, which, which was a study I have to find again. But I remember them talking about that as a parent. And it was interesting, like to say like, Hey, it's not only about the hours, it's about the moments. And that's similar to business to some extent, but do you remember every single moment of every day when you were a kid? Right. Nope. Like, remember the great parts. You remember like playing catch or making exactly. a snowman, those like memorable bits. Uh, obviously though, there probably is a limit to, I think you have to see a yeah. child more than five <laughs> minutes a day, but it was one of those things where like more doesn't always yeah. mean better. And that's for time forever. Anything. hundred um, percent. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I find, you know, uh, the way I do that, like for me, I, I can't hype it up enough. The gym, the gym was just like, even if I go and like, I don't have a great workout, it still is like, I log out, you know, I'm able to like, actually just like not the, I actually got to the point where I, I don't bring my phone, uh, with me anymore. Mm-hmm. I go, uh, it sucks not having music. I'm actually thinking about getting like an MP3 player. Yeah. Just so I can still have music. But uh, like phones in the locker, like it's not coming with mm-hmm. me. And um, it's, it's just been huge. Mm-hmm. Been so good. I, I can't uh, recommend it enough. Everyone I know who started working out without a phone doesn't regret it and never goes back because you can't really disconnect. Even mm-hmm. if you're like, I'm just using it for music, you're always semi-connected or checking your email. So I think that was one tip I've heard that I need to try more is like, don't bring a phone. Just be in the moment. And with the for a few few times I've done it, have been way better results. Not only in my workouts, but also like feeling like I actually did mm-hmm. disconnect and wasn't semi-attached. But you know, you've had quite a roller coaster, quite a bit of success as well over the you know past few years. You know, if people want to follow along, get involved, learn more about predicting alpha. How can they get in touch and kind of learn more about it? Yeah, for sure. So there's a um, a couple ways. Mm-hmm. So. Number one is uh, probably our YouTube would be the best way to sort of get a glimpse into like what we're kind of trying to do. It's just the channel's just called predictingalpha.com. And our website is predicting alpha, or, or the channel is predicting alpha, mm-hmm. but the website's predictingalpha.com. The, the actual answer I'll give is we wanted to make this as accessible as possible. And um, we're still small. So what we do is this so we have a free trial right? No obligation. You sign up. Uh, if at the end of that free trial, you're not happy with what you see, or you still have questions during that free trial, I actually have one-on-one calls with every single person who joins, um, where we build out a plan for you, all this stuff. And if there's something you're unhappy with, we'll work through it because I genuinely just believe that this is the best solution for someone who's taking trading seriously. Mm -hmm. And everyone has like a, a different sort of, um, desire what they're trying to get out of things and obviously we're a small company we can't tailor it specifically for everyone but we 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 try to by making myself readily available and our team doing the same we try to just uh do that to the best of our ability even if it means me giving you my time directly which is kind of weird in a software company but whatever (laughs) we're small enough to do it right Mm -hmm. um and that would be my honest answer is just like, take a free trial, go through the education, leave if you don't like it. Like mm-hmm. it, I, I think within the first few videos, you'll know if it's something for you or not. Uh, we, we specifically like structured our platform to have the um, mindset shift be the first thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you agree with like our sort of like core philosophy of what trading should be? And then if the answer is yes, it's like, okay, now let's learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be it. And then also just email me. I'm mm-hmm. uh, totally available. Uh, you can just, it's a uh, Sean at predicting alpha.com S E A N spelt correctly, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, just Sean at predicting alpha.com. You can reach out to me anytime.